we're going to carry on uh, with our ministry on the front line. And never more important than it is now, uh, which is really good. I haven't got a PowerPoint, I'm afraid, today. Sorry about that. Um, but um, we're talking about speaking truth and justice. Uh, speaking truth and justice. Being agents of truth and justice. And I'm hoping I leave enough time, because I really felt, uh, as we were worshipping, I just said to... Uh, the team. I, I wish I had more songs in there. I wanted us to carry on. I felt it was right to give honour and praise uh, to God, but uh, that's on me because I'm the worship leader. I didn't have them. Um, but we've got three at the end, so I'm hoping we get all of them in because they all tell of, of Christ and what he's done for us and he's the hope and everything else. But there's power in that worship. If you're like me, you come in feeling a little bit, oh, what's going to happen? But then you start praising God. You think, actually, uh, you know, he's God. He is God and he's with us. So um, hopefully uh, we'll have some time for that. Thomas and Jefferson uh, said, in matters of style, swim with the current. You know, we all like to wear the latest stuff, I suppose. But in matters of principle, stand like a rock. Yeah, when it's your principle uh, that nothing should shake us from, it's a non-negotiable. And in matters of walking with Jesus, knowing his teaching as we do, knowing his character as we read the Bible and we discover um, what he was like and what he said, knowing that the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Christ, a follower of the way, a disciple, is in your very being, is working in your life, then we need to stand like a rock. And we often know what we need to stand on, but it's easy to be swayed. But the rock or the principle on which you can stand, especially in these troubled times, is this. It is Christ Jesus. Um, He is the one. He's the one. He's the reason we've got the cross in the church. He's the one who is before all things. He's after all things. He's the pre-existent Christ. Um, Remember what I've said before, if you have an image or a view of Christ, uh, it's not big enough. Okay, He's much greater uh, than we can even imagine. And on your front lines, you have the opportunities to make an impact. And this morning, we talked about making an impact in truth and justice. And maybe you think, when you speak about great titles like truth and justice, you think it's only for the greats. You know, the, uh, the out there people that we read and hear about, um, that maybe you can't make a difference in this. There's not much, um, lies and injustice on your front line. Maybe you think of Emily Pankhurst or, or Martin Luther King or Gandhi. Maybe you think it's the people who've got the courage and the extra jumpers to do the sit-ins outside embassies. Uh, Maybe it's the image of a lone figure standing in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square. But the reality is that falsehood and injustice manifest in all sorts of different places, and you'll see them. They're in school corridors as well as parliamentary ones. They're in living rooms as well as boardrooms. Playing a board game at home as well as top-level sport with a footballer taking a dive or a cricketer tampering with a ball. They don't walk even if you're out mentality. I can tell you in our home, uh, I play to win. Um, and um, I, I don't think it's a good lesson to teach kids that they can win if they haven't, but maybe I'm a hard taskmaster. Uh, I'm sure I've let them win at some point, I just can't remember a single case. Uh, when something used to be unfair, people would say, that's just not cricket. Do you remember that? That used to be said a lot, didn't it? That's just not cricket. You shouldn't do that. Um, it was an appeal to honesty and integrity, because cricket was seen as one of the high standards. You can't say that anymore. It's more, if you can get away with it, anything is cricket. 
But it's not just the big events, the public figures, the high-level sport. It might seem far removed from your front line, but the reality is that the same cultural forces that blind so many individuals in the bigger arena, in a stadium for all to see, can also be busy among us in our sometimes our seemingly small circumstances. Parents losing the plot on the touchline of a kid's football match. I've witnessed that. And I can't believe how much parents can lose the plot with a, with a, a six-year-old football match. You know, I, I, I have to keep it in when I watch West Ham. That's adult stuff, right? The good news is we didn't lose this weekend. Um, but when you go to a kid's football match, they're still learning, they're still fun. And the things that I find the parents are teaching them sometimes, uh, the, the abuse they give the referee, they probably want authority in their own homes, but they'll abuse the referee, calling him a cheat when he's not just because the decision didn't go their way. Sometimes cheering on uh, a son or a daughter for winning a penalty that wasn't a penalty because they took a dive. Where did they get that from? From the TV, from the professionals. Maybe it's a shrug of the shoulders when the workman says, why don't you pay me in cash? Making it harder for the people that honour the system to compete. Maybe it's the casual lies of convenience that creep in. A mum telling her daughter, tell them I'm out now, I don't want to take the phone call. What are you teaching our kids? Or I'll pop it in tomorrow. That check's on its way. I don't think I got that email when someone hasn't done it saying they said they would. Or I know I said I'd do it, but I haven't. Sometimes that's just said without an excuse. Did you do it? No. Okay. Sorry I'm late, it was the trains. Can't really get away with that much anymore. There's too many apps. That used to be said. And against that background of acceptance, uh, the good news is, that's all the bad news, you have the opportunity to be something different. As Christians, we're to be different. On your front line, to be an agent of transformation and to be uh, saying that there are things uh, to be done and things to be said. And if we're really going to embrace that, then there's things that I want to say this morning that I felt God was saying to me. And we must call out sometimes the things that go on in the world that are not or shouldn't be in the place of, of a Christian, a follower of Jesus the way, the one who said, I am the truth. And what I want to say is God hates lying. You know, he hates it. Uh, Nahum 3 verse 1, Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. And the the contrast to that is God loves truth. Psalm 15, 1 to 3, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The The one whose way of life is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbour and casts no slurs on, other, on others. So God hates lies, loves truth. God hates injustice, Amos 2, 6-7. For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. But the good news is, 
He loves generosity and justice, because later on in Amos, often quoted verse from Amos 5.24, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-fading stream. So speaking truth and justice on your front line and it is, is godly, but it's really, really risky. It's really risky business, uh, because a lot of people are not doing it. And so often you can be the one standing out. It's a challenge, but it's your call. But it is risky. And the Bible's clear about that. It doesn't pull any punches. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah triumphs in the end, but he spent more than three years in hiding. Or in 1 Kings 22, Micaiah, son of Imlah, tells Ahab, King Ahab, the truth, and ends up in prison on a diet of bread and water, just for telling the truth. Jeremiah 37 to 38, Jeremiah says what God tells him to, so he does the thing he says, you think he'd be blessed, wouldn't you? He ends up cut off socially, and he's mocked, and he's beaten, and half dead at the bottom of a well. In Acts 6 and 7, Stephen tells the truth, and he's stoned to death. And in, real, in, in life, he said real life, that was real life, sorry, I don't know where that came from. And life now... Uh, whistleblowers at companies often don't end up working for the same company they were trying to protect and expose wrongdoing. And let's be honest, we sometimes don't like being told, I certainly don't, about ourselves and challenged. Kind of an idea, I won't say anything about you if you don't say anything about me. We kind of let things go. What about our front line? Maybe it's about alerting the police about the drug dealers on your street or helping a neighbour in a dispute uh, with the council. Uh, I was aware, true story, locally, uh, someone whose son was very sick, had to go to America for treatment for months and months and months. Away from much of his family, had siblings, um, and his mum was there. And then what they wanted to do was take uh, the, do- the other daughter out because he had a really, really, really rough time, and they took him out of school for a week to go and visit and uh, they could, the school wouldn't give them permission. But, you know, there was, it was a life-or-death situation, and they felt it was right to go and see the brother in a very, very poor way, so the parents took him. And the headmistress, when they came back, said, your child is no longer welcome at the school. Can't quite believe that, can you? And uh, got an MP involved, and that soon got sorted out. That was justice, and God loves justice. God loves justice, but it takes people to really react and say, that is not right. Truth and justice. might be challenging a work colleague about hours being charged to a company or an unjust appraisal system. These things to speak out, speak truth and justice, take courage and wisdom. But it's, it's worth it because we are called to be different. You know, talking about truth, Jesus said, didn't he? Matthew 5, verse 7. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know what comes next? So he's basically saying, tell the truth. Right? If you say you're going to do something or you know, it's like a truth thing, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you do anything other than that, he says, anything else comes from the evil one. Now that is a sobering thought, isn't it? You know, oh, the white lie is not so bad from the evil one. From the evil one. Think about it. When I say I'll do something, if I've committed to something, I need to do it. If I say I'm going to be there on time, notwithstanding normal course of events, I should be there on time. 
When I say I do something, I get stressed out when I don't do it. I want to turn up. I want to get it done. I don't want to let people down. And if I can't do it, I'll find someone who can so that the person is not let down. When I was on the dealing desk in the city, we used to have all these signs go on. There's some that I can't share with you, but there's some that I can. But when a phone call came in, there was various things you could do, and you had various levels of clients. You know, the really big clients, you always took their call. It was a big order. So the phone would come in, Ian, you know, Fidelity. Oh, my God, that's a big order, I'll take it. And then it'd be someone, you know, maybe a medium-sized client, and you're not really feeling in the mood, and you just do this. You know, you know what that means? That means call them back. Yeah, and so and so for you. Oh, I'll call them back. And I would, I'd call them back. And then there was the, the kind of the third tier, you know, go and sell two shares of Glaxo. It's just like cost me more money uh, to book the trade than it was to earn any commission. And they, they got the, you know, oh, he's not here. You know, he's not here. Anything else comes from the evil one. That is not of God. That was lying. That is lying. It happens in ourselves, it happens in the home, it happens in the workplace, and dare I say it, sometimes it happens in church. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That is a sobering thought. Anything else apart from absolute truth comes from the evil one. When I go back on my word, that is the evil one, that is not God. And it hurts people, and it disappoints people, it lets others down, it frustrates. Jesus looks into all of that and says, I'm the truth. And the follower of Christ is a person of truth. There should be reliability, trustworthy, faithfulness. In, uh, when I got ordained uh, here, back in 2005, I remember um, uh, the, uh, the principal of Spurgeon's College, he preached and he said, uh, Ian, you know, if I can give you advice, it made it difficult for him because we all sat on the back and he kind of, he was preaching. He said, I want to preach at you, but I can't. I've got a sore neck. So I got away with it a bit. But he said, be transparent. Always be transparent. Don't have the secrets. Obviously, I'm not about pastoral care, but be transparent. And then you haven't got to worry about what people are thinking or what could be misconstrued. Just be transparent. Be truthful. It's less stressful. And it really gets to me when people are misled or let down. Not only for me, but for others. Um, when truth isn't paramount or time isn't kept. Not because of legalism, but because I just don't feel it's godly. We should be reliable and should be honest. Be truthful. Anything else other than truth is from the evil one. And then there's justice Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus, words of Jesus again said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, seeking righteousness, seeking what is right. Do you remember the other week I spoke to you about um, the entertainer? No? You do? Good. Um, and it was about the shop, wasn't it? And, um, you know, he gets, the, he gets a bit of glory, that fellow, good man. Uh, but, you know, he's, oh, don't open my shops on a Sunday and... Uh, all these things, that's really, really good. And God's really, really blessed him. And he, he takes more profits in than all the other toy shops that open seven days a week. He won't even open up on a busy Sunday. But a lot of people don't often hear how that began to happen. But I came across it, so here we go. About 20 years ago, a woman walked into a toy shop in a small Buckinghamshire town called Amersham 
and talk to the owner about his window display. So he wasn't always the goody-goody we thought he was. Just letting you know. It was October and the window was full of Halloween paraphernalia. She suggested to the owner, Gary, our hero of two weeks ago, who's now got Halloween paraphernalia in his toy shop, that he should not be selling such material. She was a Christian and explained why and told him that God would honour him if he stopped. The owner demurred and didn't, didn't change his shop window. So he didn't do it straight away. Later that year, however, he took all the leftover stock that he would normally have kept for the following year, hundreds and hundreds of pounds worth, and burned it. He has never sold Halloween paraphernalia since. At the time, it felt like a one-off decision, but the principles behind that decision were to set the future pattern for his decision-making about his business. Today, that business, The Entertainer, has expanded from one store in Amersham to becoming the largest independent retailer of toys in the UK, even though they don't open on a Sunday. And of course, Gary knows that obedience to God does not mean that God has to bless his business. There are plenty of godly, competent Christians whose businesses have failed. At the same time, God is his father, and Gary is in no doubt that the reason his business has consistently outperformed the overall toy industry is down to God. But look how it all began. One woman... One woman walked into a local toy shop and spoke up for truth and justice. And even if Gary, the owner, had ignored her, that would still have been a glorious thing to have done. You know, she just went in and spoke out and took a risk. I find that a really interesting story. But also it can happen in our families, right? Hold on, Dad. I don't think it was meant the way you've taken it. I'm going to give you a little uh, uh, story now. One makes me look good, and the other one, I'm definitely bad. Uh, Justice, how to maybe do it and how not to do it. And it's a touchy subject because it's about this, the hot topic um, of abortion, but it's the illustration I've got. So I used to work with somebody who sat next to me, and we'd trade, and we'd do big trades and everything else. And you've got to bear in mind, I sat next to him for 12 hours a day. I saw him more than my wife. Um, and so we got to know each other uh, well, and what each other liked and everything else. And then he came to me and he said, um, we've got two boys, we want another child, my wife wants a daughter. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get pregnant, but if it's a girl, we're going to have an abortion. Uh, sorry, if it's a boy, sorry, we're going to have an uh, abortion. And I thought, all oh, right. And so I just kept this myself, prayed the next few days, and he came back to me because he knew what I did, and he said, look, what do you feel about that? I said, well, I want to share with you, but I don't want to alienate you. But if you're asking me, I'll tell you exactly what I think about it. And I shared about that they would be stopping a life that could be lived. That God already knew the baby well before they will. That that life was valued. That they would have to live with their decisions. I've had people come to me, uh, and you know, they're victims as well, I believe. Um, they don't know the impact. I didn't know, sorry, the impact of that conversation. It was a much longer conversation than that. I spoke about Psalm 139. I spoke before he was formed in your mother's womb and everything else. But I spoke gently and over coffees because he was someone I worked with and I didn't want to upset him too much. Um, but in the end, I don't know whether it worked or not because they had a girl. Well done, Ian. Fast forward. 
Uh, we had a dinner guest um, a number of years back, and um, the subject came up. I don't know why it had been in the press at the time. And I got on my high horse because, you know, I'm Ian, and I'm good for truth and justice. And I started, they said, oh, you know, uh, a woman should have the right to choose. I said, well, why, and I got quite heated, why can't the baby choose? Who sticks up for the baby? I'm for the, I'm for the defenceless, I'm going to stick up for the baby, I'm the cheerleader. Look at me, look at me, blah, blah, blah. I'm so lost in my self-righteousness that I failed to see for quite a while the tears that started going down this lady's face. And then immediately I know what I've done and I'm crushed because I've judged her, I've made her feel awful and I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. I've added hurt and pain, I've shown no grace whatsoever and no concern for her feelings and I probably lost her after that in any kind of conversation. And instead of treating her like a human being, uh, she was then, uh, I saw her uh, later as a victim as well to the society around her that has in some part lost its value for human life. That's how not to do it. Because I do, I do believe that. I do believe they're victims. Well, I think they, they, they get into the lie or there's a circumstance or whatever it is. We can preach truth, but we have to walk with someone as well. So we can speak, uh, we can speak truth and justice, but we've got, to, we've got to be wise in that as well. Dialogue and understanding uh, need to be had. And certainly I didn't get into that on the second example. It's easy to score points and put your point across when you're speaking truth and justice and you can win the argument, but you can lose the person. And, and I find in my ministry, I must be listening to God the whole time I'm listening to the person. But God often drops things in your head as you're listening to someone who's struggling. Uh, truth and justice, stepping in at the right time. Another work colleague, uh, you'll be pleased to know not at the moment, uh, it was years ago, we were out with clients one evening and um, we was in a restaurant that kind of turns into a nightclub after you've eaten all the food. And he was getting quite close. He was a married man, uh, two children. And he was getting quite close to a waitress. And I'm not sure if the waitress was offering anything that she shouldn't, uh, but she seemed quite keen. And uh, he was, he'd had quite a lot of alcohol. And um, I thought, what am I going to do? I know, I know this person's wife and two children. And so he went to the toilet and I joined him and I went in there and I just, you know, I won't do the actions, but we're both standing there. And I just said, how's, how's, how's your wife doing? And he said, oh, yeah, you know, sort of good. I said, how are the kids? And I thought, how am I going to get, what am I going to do? How are the kids? He said, fine, fine, fine. We're washing our hands, good practice, washing our hands. I said, look, I've got to say this to you. I really hope that whatever decision you make tonight would be the same decision you would make tomorrow in a cold light of day because you really just spoke about love when you spoke about your wife and your children and thankfully nothing happened. And it's about being in that moment and saying, actually, I need to speak truth into this and justice uh, into this. I couldn't tell him what to do. I couldn't tell him what to do. And it can cost, it can cost uh, truth and justice. So another trading example, I remember I had to sign off on trades uh, for the whole desk. Everyone took a turn. Um, and they were called outliers. And the outliers were, if, if, if we had done a trade as a firm that's outside the high and the low of the day, so say a stock's trading 
from 20p to 40p and we do a trade at 10p, that is an outline. There's something wrong. And you have to cite, sometimes there's a reason. It's a big chunk of stock that someone's took on risk and they give you a discounted uh, bid. But I looked at this thing, I thought, this don't make no sense. And I went to the head and I said, no, I can't sign off. And he goes, no, you need to sign off on that one. I said, well, I can't. I don't believe it's true. I don't believe the client would have sold a stock, you know, uh, 10% below the low of the day. Uh, they might have last week, to be honest, but this was about five years ago. And, and, but I was under incredible pressure to sign off in it, and, and it cost me. And I refused to, and I got called in, and they said, well, he's saying it's okay. I said, no, but he's not signing it, is he? I'm signing it. I think it's wrong. Why don't we go back and ask the client? Oh, no, no, they'll be embarrassed if we are. I mean, straight away, you know. But actually, it did cost me. Um, I don't know what your front line is. Maybe it's a teacher at school that's getting bad-mouthed. That's not, it's not fair. You know, they get the blame for a lot of things, don't they? I remember being at my last school, and um, the snow came down, as it does. It was just before Christmas. And my daughter was at Mayflower. My son was at Stock School. So my daughter, we get the thing that comes around. Mayflower closed. Kaylee's over the moon. Um, and then we got the thing from Stock School, uh, uh, he'll kill me for saying his stock school open. Harry started crying. He was only little, um, and so. But I said, no, you know, the school's open. We've got to go to school. And even that, Andrew said, oh, you know, Katie's going to be out playing with her. I said, well, you know, it is what it is. And when I got to the playground, you know, I saw uh, there were governors and teachers on the path coming up, and they were shoveling the snow and they were putting all the salt down. They were doing everything they could. Uh, but the parents were absolutely slating the headmistress, who I knew. And all the teachers uh, were in. She'd, they'd all managed to get in. All the staff and governors are sweeping and sorting the area, working hard. And the parents were really, really angry, and they were making their opinions known. And it turned into, like, you know, it was honestly things like, they should just let the kids play with the snow, you know, just have a day off and be done with it and all the rest of it. And she's such a bad headmistress. I mean, and I thought, she's not a bad head. She's been really, really good. She's not for the school anymore. I mean, this thing escalated from because she's keeping the school open, which I felt was a good thing, to, to let's throw her out in a, in a matter of 10 minutes. And they're all joining in, and I'm standing there. And they're all complaining. And I said, well, I think it's great. I think, and I think this is something what we've got to do now in the circumstances we're in. You know, because we can teach our kids fear and panic, or we can teach them faith and hope. But they all joined in, and I said, as, as all complained, I said, I think it's great. She's teaching our kids a positive can-do attitude, a positive attitude. Don't give in. Let's see if we can make it work. She's not that bad ahead, really, is she? Just because she's opened up the school. Haven't the ratings gone up recently? I saw that she's been spending loads of time, her own free time, with the children getting ready for the nativity play. We've all got tickets. Maybe she should cancel it because it's snowing. No, no, she can't cancel the nativity. It was so judgmental. I said, you're so passionate about it. I think she's teaching your kids a great lesson. And they wandered off, and I could hear some of them. Some of them were friends of mine, under their breath, going, do good I said a few things under my breath, but it wasn't do good. And it was very nice and blessing. You know. It was just unfair. And so you're going to be put in situations where you have a chance to speak up. Um, you know, we, we, people criticise our pleas. Sometimes um, uh, there's reasons to, but teachers and 
ambulance workers and the NHS and everything. How about just pray for them and bless them and encourage them? And they're doing their best most of the time. Most of the time. It's just not fair. And as Christians, we can speak up and say it's not fair. That's justice. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. And remember that anything else, anything else comes from the evil one. And let justice flow like a river, not, not only in the big things, but also in the little day-to-day things as well. Let's not be the people who are going to go and empty. I mean, I've still got to work out whether this virus does anything to toilet behaviour because, because there's nothing. And I think, okay, for the people who've got cars and can get down there and I'll pop back tomorrow, we've got a lot of vulnerable and older people who have to get on a bus or get a taxi. And my parents are too, they're in their mid-80s. And they get there and they can't do it. And it's not so easy to go the next day. A, year, a month ago we were saying, be kind. You know, look out for your neighbours. Look out for truth. See what's going on. Look out for the justice. Knock on the neighbour's door. And show, let's be the Christians we're supposed to be in these times of trouble. Let's not give up. Um, you know, there's certain, obviously we need to be careful. And I, I accept that. And we... We do things in the guidelines. But let's not hide ourselves away and only think of our own families. Let's think of other people as well. We're Christians. We're followers of the way. We cross the street to be with them, not cross the street to be away from them. And if there are a lot of toilet rolls, maybe buy a few extra. And, you know, if there's an old person around, just give them to them. It's lovely to see the Billericke uh, random acts of kindness pages Oh, acts of random kindness is being set up again because of this. I saw one in Chelmsford that's going on, and people are saying, I've got pasta, I've got toilet rolls. If there's a needy person on here, come and get them for free. You know, see where we can be the blessing. You've got a chance to have ministry on your front line, your front line. So think about now about truth and justice. Where is the unfairness of falsehoods that you see, and what are you going to do about them? Because it's a real opportunity. I don't want this opportunity, but we've got it. And we have a chance to really minister to people. I want us to worship God again. We've got three songs. We've got time for all three, I think, John. Um, I'm sorry if I'm boring you. Like nice big yawn there just before he came up. <laughs> but this is, this is... I'm only joking. I mean, pray for John, you know, he's, telling, he's out. I mean, you know, we've got nurses and doctors among us. We've got people that are really trying to do the right thing. John's been washing down ambulances after he tripped this week. You know, he's doing, we should pray for our people and thank our people and speak out when someone says the ambulance shouldn't be parked over my drive. I mean, for goodness sake, it, we've got so many chances for truth and justice. And I think at the moment, Christians, let's go out and be ambassadors uh, for Jesus. We're going to sing uh, in a second, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Then we're going to uh, have what a beautiful name it is, what a powerful name it is. Let's trust him. We will get through this, and there will be casualties, but we will get through it. And then right at the end, we'll remember where our hope is found, and it's in Jesus, uh, the living hope. But let me pray for us, and then stand and sing, uh, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of truth and justice and you do ask us to stand with the weak. And and actually, we've got immense opportunity now in our sometimes sheltered lives to really look out for our neighbour, really look out for the vulnerable, 
Help us, to be, help us to be wise and prudent, but help us not to panic and live in fear. Help us to have faith in you. Help us to commit uh, our lives and others' lives to you in prayer. And I pray, Lord, as we worship now, we just continue to give our lives over to you and say, here we are, send me, send me, and help us to be the blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.